welcome to the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. In this episode, we meet Olivia, someone who caught my attention from a post on LinkedIn. She shared about her decision not to jump into college right after high school. After connecting with her, I found out that she was a natural leader, leading by example, who also had taken a very unique path within her high school career. She has not only written a book, she owns her own business, Black Life Blue World. You will learn so much from this conversation, and it is only half of the amount of time that she and I spoke that day. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. Could you share a little bit of yourself? If I was describing myself in a very poetic, artistic way, I would say that I am a journeyer on the road less traveled and a lover of the blue world. So the first one, A Journey on the Road Less Traveled, it's from the poem A Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. I sort of think of my life as this person who journeys on this road, it's not well taken, but it leads him in the way that he needs to go, a way that's best for him. This is what I think about when I think about my life, the decisions that I've made, my decisions around schooling and what I'm doing after high school and my calling for like change in the world. All these decisions sort of wrap around this idea that normal isn't always the best way to go. To make lasting and impactful change, it is usually necessary to go against the grain, to challenge the norm, to take the road less traveled. It can be a lonely road because it's a road less traveled, but for me, it's it's so powerful and it's so different. That's the first part of how I would describe myself. And the second part is lover of the blue world. For as long as I can remember, I've loved nature, I've loved the ocean. And this term, the blue world, I learned from Sylvia Earle. Her book, The Blue World, she talks about how most of our world is ocean. If you look at the earth from space, it's blue. So the blue world for me is not just the ocean, it's nature in general. It's the earth, the natural world. As long as I can remember, I've been called to love it and protect it. I don't really know where this love comes from. It shows up in how I spend my time, whether it's swimming competitively or it's going to the beach or taking videos and paintings of marine animals. Those are really, really fascinating segments that really do define you really well. And I love that. I wanted to ask you the realization that the road less traveled may actually be the path to take where did that come for you? Because I think a lot of students, a lot of young adults really don't know that there is another path to take. So they don't explore that. For me, it was from my dad. He's in education as well. He shares a lot of stories and examples of different people who just didn't follow the traditional educational path, but were able to do incredible things in their life, make incredible change. And it showed me there is another option. There is another another place to go. And then it was also learning about 
different people throughout the world. I'm going to call to mind Martin Luther King. Part of the reason why he was so impactful was because he inspired a movement that was peaceful, hopeful, and unifying. It wasn't, let's fight. <laughs> it was, let's fight, but with our words and with our actions, without fists and without weapons. And he went against the grain in that time frame. There was a lot of anger around the injustice of the civil rights era. It's people like that, I, like looking at patterns of history of people like that, it's like, if he had done what everyone else had done, he there would no be Martin Luther King Jr. It's only because he decided, okay, this is wrong, but there is another way to go about this. There's another way to make change. And because he took that road less traveled, he made incredible change. I think it's examples like that that I've seen throughout my childhood and slowly started to piece together throughout my high school experience. There is another road. And I think there's a misconception that if you don't follow the traditional path, you're going to end up on the streets. There's a lot of people that are like, what? You're not going to college next year? You didn't have a traditional high school? What are you going to do with your life? You're not going to be very successful. I think it's important to understand that the road that has always been taken is not the only road. That's really profound and so incredible to hear from such a young person and to hear that it came to you in little bits and pieces, but started to piece together into this really great mindset. So I asked you to take a character survey that identified your leadership skills and um, just having spent maybe five minutes with you, I already feel like, nope, none of these would be surprising to me. Um, but they came out as appreciation of beauty and excellence, spirituality, curiosity, leadership, and love of learning. I guess what I actually want to ask you is where do you see some of these showing up for you in your in your path? Curiosity and love of learning is pretty obvious just through my untraditional educational path and my desire to pursue the things that I'm uniquely interested in and things that I have calling in. The leadership aspect, that one's tricky. It's interesting to me that leadership was the one that was most difficult for you to describe because because you lead by example. Very few people realize what type of leader and how impacting they are to others in that lead by example. And I see your leadership clearly and it's because you don't demand leadership to be part of who you are. It's just who you are, where you are, what you do. It just comes out of you. I'm really interested in the book that you wrote, Overlapping Worlds, and how mental health challenges are involved when you're an elite athlete. Tell me a little bit about why you wrote the book. Tell me who your audience is. I was looking for another project to start the book writing program, and they ask you to piece together three different topics that you'd be interested in exploring the overlap between. I saw the trailer for the HBO documentary, The Weight of Gold, which was directed by Michael Phelps, and it's about how, how prevalent depression is and how 80% of Olympians experience post-Olympic depression, which is a crazy percentage. And then... I saw a post on LinkedIn that talked about the mental health benefits that come from nature. Um, all these things are sort of already present in my life. Nature has been a long-standing love. I've been swimming since I was six, and I had mental health struggles myself. These are actually 
through topics that I have experience in and I might be able to write a book about. So that's where it sort of started from. I learned so much. It was an incredible process. It was tiring, emotionally tiring, physically tiring, just writing three hours a day during the first couple of months just to get the manuscript out. The target audience of this book is athletes who are transitioning into becoming more elite, trying to help address and resolve this issue around mental health struggles. They're so prevalent in the athletic community and they're so stigmatized as well. No one really talks about them. They're really pushed under the rug. And I think athletes a option or an outlet to help their mental health without the pressures of society, without the financial costs of getting a ton of medication, but for stress, anxiety, depression, spending time in nature has remarkable benefits on the mind. And just utilizing that free resource that we have in our backyards and in our neighborhoods to our advantage and to help our health in general, but if nothing else, to help our ability to perform as athletes. Tell me a little bit about the experience that you have with the challenges around grades. My educational experience is a little bit wonky. Freshman year in high school, I went to a traditional high school in Houston. Sophomore year, I took different classes at different institutions. And then junior and senior year, I self-directed my learning. And I think grades can be important. But for me, it was less about the learning and it was more about the grade. I remember (laughs) two times I had panic attacks around grades. One was freshman year in high school. I had a test in biology and ended up getting a 71, brought my grade down to my overall grade to an 89. I wanted to get all A's in all my classes so I could have the highest GPA possible. And so this 89 was devastating. I came to my teacher crying, begging for any opportunity to improve my test score. Looking back on it, I was not interested in learning at all in that experience. It was all about the grade. The second experience was I was taking a class at the University of St. Thomas here in Houston, and it was a cellular and molecular biology class. I was interested in biology and nature, and my dad was like, yeah, challenge yourself, take a college class around biology. I did really well in that class. Quarantine had just started, so the final was online, and I messed something up. There was a time limit on it, so time was running out. And I completely panicked. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail this test. I'm going to get a B in the class. You know, B's not the end of the world. But for me, it was. I wanted to get high A's. Both of these were prime examples of times where grades became so important that I wasn't interested in learning. I was not alone in this. I have a lot of classmates who stay up super late, cramming, studying for a test. They basically vomit all the information onto the test, forget it a couple days later. It's this system that tries to help teach people, help people learn, but the way the evaluation of the system is set up doesn't actually embrace learning. It embraces memorizing for a short time, like gaming the system. I knew how to game the system. I knew how to memorize what was on the test, put it on the test, and then forget it so I can memorize something else for the next test. So it's kind of cycle. And it's not, it wasn't every class and it wasn't every school, but it's that sort of cycle that I saw again and again of the grade is more important than the learning. Why do you think that grades become the focus and not the learning? Where do you think that happens? Do you think it's all based on that push for the GPA? Well, I think the initial idea was a good idea. People were trying to figure out a way to evaluate whether people were learning. But the problem is that the evaluation is flawed because it's not necessarily about the learning. It's about trying to just do a test or an assignment correctly. Learning, it's hard to evaluate. And that's part of the problem is just that 
proving that you've learned something for each person that's different. And so in a system of hundreds, thousands of children, schools are trying to figure out a way to evaluate and sort who knows what in a very simple, easy way. So they use grids, which means that they're not super effective, but it's, it's easier for the teachers, it's easier for the schools. And this is what really annoyed me during high school, was that everything was not only for the GPA, but ultimately to get into a good college. Take this class, take this honor so you can have a good resume, do this elective or this volunteer opportunity so you'll look more favorable for college, and then get into a good college. But this is pointless. Why am I doing all of this to learn? Sophomore year in high school, I took a math class in an online program called the Art of Problem Solving. This program is like math on steroids. It is insane how difficult it is. And it's an, it's an online program, so I don't know any of the other classmates. I probably got like a C, but I learned so much from that class and it was so enjoyable. And I took it not because I was going to get a good grade on it, but because I was really interested in diving deep and I'm not going to be rewarded for that F on my report card, even if that was the best learning experience I had in my entire high school experience. And so this idea that college is the end goal, do everything, anything you can do to get to college, even if you're not learning, that's, that doesn't make any sense. So much in that statement about the power of learning and the result being like a grade that's not rewarded. I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head about there being this push to get the best grade, this push to do the best so that you can get into the best college. So you started to self-direct learning for yourself. I started self-directing my learning with the ultimate goal of college. I think it shifted this past like August when all seniors are trying to go through the college application process. There was something that just didn't make sense. Like, why did I leave traditional high school, explore my own interests and try to like learn in a way outside of traditional education just to end up back where I started. Then I found out about this program, Praxis, and the college alternative program. It basically is designed to help learners, students, college grads get the hands-on skills that they need to enter the workforce without the time commitment, the money commitment, or the cost of college. Because what college does is it gets you a degree. It gets you connections, it gets you an experience, maybe some internships, but you still need the soft skills and the hands-on skills to enter into the workforce. You graduate with a degree, let's say I have a degree in biology, I want to work in a lab, but you need the experience of working in a lab for labs to say, okay, this person will be a good hire. It's a one-year-long program, and this is what I want to do in the next phase of my learning experience. It just, it seemed to fit much more smoothly with my self-directed learning. It's an untraditional learning experience, much more than college. I'm committed to having a unique learning experience. I'm, I'm willing to try this. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. I go to college. But best case scenario, I go through the process. I get a job. I enter into the workforce three years earlier than my other classmates with much more experience than my fellow classmates. It's not about like getting out to the workforce faster. It's just there are changes that I want to make in the world. And college would make me wait. There are so many examples of people who, who don't follow that same structure and who are able to change the world for me to 
wonder and really question. I really do love that because what you're sort of describing is I'm going to learn. That's not where I'm resisting. I just don't want to learn in the set course structure that you prescribe for that degree, right? You're going to, you're going to do this one year program. You're going to get into a job. And as you build that job, you're going to say, okay, I need to know what this is. Let me go learn it. Did you face opposition to this choice of not following the path that most students follow going to college? I don't think it's true now. It might still be true for some businesses, but not all businesses. There's a lot of dialogue. You're black. You're a woman. You're a black woman. If you don't have a degree, people aren't going to want to hire you. I know that there are businesses out there where that is the case. If I don't have a degree, they're going to be like, no. But I also know that there are businesses where if I can demonstrate I have the skills necessary, that I am responsible, I'm driven, I'm competent, then they're going to over accept the fact that I don't have a degree and say like, yeah, come on board. Usually whenever I talk about praxis, I say it's a gap year. People can wrap their head around that because the idea of not going to college is so foreign to so many people. My brother is going to college in a traditional four-year university. He went to four years of traditional high school, graduated valedictorian. He's like sort of the poster child of traditional education. And I'm like the complete opposite. I'm fortunate enough to live in a family that is has a lot of resources, connection-wise, money-wise. You're looking for the untraditional companies that see your worth beyond just that one piece of paper. So I think the opposition probably is fear. And like you said, lack of understanding. I think the opposition will go away, especially as you become successful. You already sound like you've done so much to prove that you will be successful. What advice do you have for, for students entering high school right now, graduating high school, or thinking about that next step? I think number one, it would be don't fall trapped to the assumption or the lie that learning can only happen within the doors of the school. Depending on who you are, there are so many different ways to learn, you know, whatever material, whatever topic. For me, it's experiential, hands-on learning. That's when I remember it stays with me for a long time. Whenever I just write stuff down, it stays with me less. Whenever I just memorize it, it stays with me until the test and it's gone. And so find different ways that work for you to learn and don't limit yourself to the classroom. If there's something that you're interested in, go and explore it. Go to the library, read books, go on YouTube, find documentaries, find people to talk to, find podcasts, um, explore your passions. This is a question that my dad asked and I realized that so many of my friends don't know the answer. What are you interested in? The fact that they don't know what they're interested in is very sad for me. It's the fact that they don't have the space in their day to get bored and explore things. Imagine if you didn't have a phone or you didn't have a computer to play video games on. You'd be like, what am I going to do? Maybe you'll go outside and, I don't know, look at some trees. Maybe you find out that you're really interested in trees. Just find that space in your day to explore. For me, it started really young. I always had time in my day to explore. And so my, my interest and my love of the marine world started really young. My interest in helping people think differently and inspiring other people to embrace their unique differences so that they can challenge or change the world. Give some advice to people like me, teachers, what you wish we knew 
when you were a freshman or a sophomore to help you find the system to be more fulfilling? This one's really hard because educators are in a system and the system is rigid, but to the best of your ability, see how much you can make that, make your classroom flexible. Maybe instead of just giving out worksheets and giving out tests, every day you do a project. The system is going to force you to do grades. So do grades to the best of your abilities and just make them as <laughs> not as easy as possible, but really emphasize the learning aspect of it. Have a space and an opportunity for people to learn without the fear of failure. Because I think that's the other thing. Kids don't want to fail, so they're not going to really push themselves. And something that I've learned that I think is so important from my self-directed learning experience is I failed more than I've ever failed in traditional school. And it's taught me more about life than I could have ever learned in traditional school. The final question that I want to make sure that I highlight is you have a company and I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about your company. What's the mission? What are your goals? And how could we support you? It's a little bit unofficial, but I have a platform that I call Black Life Blue World. And what Black Life Blue World is about is inspiring people to challenge the norm and embrace their unique differences so that together we can change the world. And there's two sides of Black Life Blue World. One side is where I try to help people. I share with them things that have helped me try to inspire them to challenge or embrace their unique differences and challenge the norm. I share things that I've messed up on and how they can do better in their own experience. If they're interested in starting a learning journey, if they're interested in self-directing their learning, if they're interested in pursuing their unique passions, they have a space where they feel connected and they feel like they're not alone in this process because being on the road less traveled is very lonely. And then the other side of it is where I actually pursue the things that I'm interested in and passionate about. I embrace my differences, usually around nature. So my book, Overlapping Worlds, Sports, Mental Health, and Nature, different projects I have around marine conservation and environmental conservation, things like that. So those are the two different sides of Black Life the World together. And they make this sort of platform of change, inspiration, and hope. And then for support, watching the videos, commenting on the blogs, telling me things that I can do to improve, things that you would be interested in learning about from me or about the world in general. What I am interested in more than anything is just getting connections and feedback from people. I think imperfection is great, Olivia, because it gives other people the inspiration that they can do it too. So embrace that, that growth because you're doing it I've just learned so much by listening to you. And it's always a pleasure to do these interviews, especially with people who I don't know. So I really, I just really want to thank you for your time and your words and your advice. I am excited to share with a greater audience. Keep going out there and doing what you're doing and be an inspiration for this next generation who are just entering high school, looking to you to say, hey, what's that other road that I can take? Yeah, thank you so much. What really struck me about this interview with Olivia was how much she spoke to so many of my passions, taking a road less traveled, 
how education is more about grades than about learning and how her life has been driven by her passions. And she has a wonderful, supportive family who allows her to explore those passions. I'm excited to see where Olivia goes with her journey, the journey of the road less traveled. I hope you listened to the entire episode and walked away with a few nuggets as I did. What was something this episode brought up for you? Remember, share the episode, comment on an issue you think I should ask a student, or help me connect to another student. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Peers Not Fears. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon. Imagine what they will